Welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is episode 35. I am your host, Cody Beekman, and I am here with Rostentatious Mormeyer. Hi, how's it going there, guys? And once, twice, thrice, my Bryce McMillan. How's it going? And today we are so stoked to be joined by Mr. Michael Sully Sullivan. Hey, how are we doing? All right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everybody's doing yeah. good, man. Um, uh, Sully, he he's a former PR guy of the Rochester Americans. Right now, he's a big part of Dog Nation and a current usher at uh, well, I would say the Can. I guess I'm gonna say the Sack now Ball Arena at uh, Denver, Colorado. Are you, are you saying Ball Sack? Yeah, like, I mean Ball Arena, the Sack. You know, like. I told you before we got on here, it still could be called the can. It could, but I want to call it the sack, so I'm calling it the sack. And the arena is blue, so it's also a blue sack. A blue, oh, oh, sweet, we've got blue balls in Denver. That's great. I know what side my bread is buttered on. I'm calling it (laughs) the ball arena. It's it's so weird. It's like you, you know. It's like a ballerina, ballerina. You know, I I just don't get it. It's I think they should have like thought about that for a little bit, but I guess you can't really call it the uh, the super environmental container arena. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. You could you could do it, but then the game would be over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so today we've got a great episode. We've got uh, Sully's going to be talking about his travels through hockey, and we do uh, have a sa- another sad uh, reason to be here. Well, not to be here, but another terrible thing that has happened in the hockey community as um, Travis Roy passed away. So first of all, let's start this off with Hockey Day in History, as we normally do, and as per usual, we like our guests to do the honors. So, Sully, what do you got for Hockey Day in History, bud? Well, I'm always good with my stories about my idol, Gordy Howe. And on this particular day in history, he happened to get high-sticked, caused a little bit of a bleed. So he went into the doctor and told the doctor, hurry up, stitch me up, i got to get back on the ice. Hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> Did doctor worked as fast as he could and he gets them done. Gordy heads out. Stops in the doorway and he turns around to the doctor. He says, "Hey, doc." He says, "You might just as well not go anyplace because the guy who did this is going to be here in a minute." <laughs> I love that. It, he was true blue to his style, and he meant what he said. Yeah, super superstar. Nobody had to do his fighting for him. No, absolutely not. He always yeah. said, "Get the number." Right? Yeah. Oh, Gordy would get the number. All right, Ross. What do you got for hockey day in history today? Well. I'm going to go probably not with, like, our favorite coach, but he's probably one of the most winningest coaches that is within our area. Oh, do tell. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. Uh, Buffalo's Scotty Bowman stepped down as head coach of the Sabres to concentrate as GM for the team. Craig Ramsey was named the new head coach, and that was, I think, Probably on November third or so, late like later on in the week. This happened on the sixth, but oh, wow. in nineteen eighty six when I was year I was born. But yeah, um, he lost to the what was it? I think it was the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. And Craig Ramsey, um, a an alumni of that. Um, 
1980 Miracle uh, U.S. team. And I and I might have played against them. Really? Well, I played against the Sabres alumni twice. And <laughs> it's a story for later on in the broadcast. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna dig into that one. But that game was Scotty Bowman's that he played against the Montreal Canadiens was his thousandth game as a coach. Wow. But then he relieved his duties. What? Three, four days later, boys. <laughs> wow. All right, Bryce, what do you got here? All right, boys, we got a goaltender here. Um, Patrick Lyamay recorded his 14th career shutout in uh, the Senators' 3 nothing win against the Buffalo Sabres. You mean Patrick Laleen? Patrick Laleen, yes. Right on. All right, yeah. I mean, Patrick Laleen was one hell of a goaltender, man. Uh, I'll give I'll give you that. So, um, not, not a surprise that he was that successful that early on in his career. Absolutely not. I mean, I mean, for his 14th career shutout, I'll take it. Boom. I'll take it. Patrick Lalim, nice, uh, n- nice call back there. I am going to be taking us all the way back to 1983. The Chicago Blackhawks scored the fastest two goals from the start of a period in NHL history. Can Yarem Yarem Chuck? I think I, I'm getting a little bit of your guys's. Uh, can't pronounce names for shit. <laughs> Yarim Chuck uh, scored at 12, se- 12 seconds, and Daryl Sutter followed at 21 seconds of the second period in a 10 to 5 loss to the North Stars at Minnesota. A 10 to 5 loss. Uh, that's just bad, it's, but I mean, it's hey. almost like the Canadians' loss that we had to suffer here, not this season, but a couple seasons ago. That was. The 10 to 1. The eleven to one, yeah, I remember that one. That was bad. I remember uh, actually, Max Pacioretty scored four goals, and I I I was so pissed off that the Abs (laughs) were just getting railed. But I I had Max Pacioretty. I I had Max Pacioretty on my fantasy hockey team, so I was like, oh, bad blowout, a bad blowout. Yeah, that's probably one of the worst ones I've seen in a while. Speaking of fantasy hockey, who won this year's? That's that. See, uh, I the the season just ended. No, uh, nobody, nobody got placed or anything. Yeah, like uh, so. I, yeah. I seem to remember leading the damn thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so he's been playing in in our uh, uh, fantasy hockey league the last two years. He got shelled a little bit in the first one, but yeah, you're you're coming. I was at the, you, I was at I was on top when the season shut down. I'm gonna have to take a look at that and see if I can uh, uh like see where everybody ended because you. Might have a little payday coming your way, bud. Was he on one of our leagues too? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was the Beaks Hockey League yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, uh, well, just uh, just a heads up. We, if we have a season this year uh, on the bench with Beaks, is it going to be hosting a league? So. Yeah. Check it out. Oh Let's yeah. See, I I've heard that they are either not going to do a season or they're doing a minimum. Of no less than 48 games. Yeah, that's what I read, too. Uh, actually, you showed me that article yeah. yesterday. Yeah, like 48 games, no All-Star, no uh, no uh, uh, Heritage Classic, no, 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 no Classics. No, no. Which is unfortunate, but, I mean, hey, if we still get at least a little bit of hockey, uh, that's... I mean, I'll take it. I hate yeah. COVID. I hate COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you of all people should. I mean, this man, this man has survived the COVID, but I, I, I mean, yeah. This is just—it's been ridiculous, and it's just not going away. And I, I freaking can't stand it. 
It's not. I mean, as long as we have sports at the end of the day, I mean, if it's a small season, we'll take it, right? As sports fans, I mean, look at what happened in MLB. They played a 68-game season versus 62 games, actually. Um, again, it's another, you know, sport that's over 100 games. I mean, hockey yep. has less than 100 games, it's 82, so I'll take 48 if that's the case. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as long as we get some puck, that's fine with me. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we we were super lucky that I I think we've only said this about a million times on this podcast that we were so lucky to have the uh, playoffs go as smoothly as they did. So hopefully that can transfer into making a season out of this. So once again, I don't want to beat a dead horse like we have, but I think they've learned from how they did the whole entire playoffs. Yeah. And they're taking it into the season. They're tweaking it just a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what they're going to come out with. Um, I unfortunately don't see any fans in the stands, but... Uh, rhyme scheme wow. r- regardless. Everybody yeah. <laughs> fans yeah. in the stands. I like that. But no, I, I really don't see that happening at all. Yeah. It'll definitely be bubble leagues, kind of as we're talking, or bubble division since we talked about that in the last podcast. Well, yeah, they said in uh, the ESPN um, article about it is that they're really trying to work hard to get in fans in the stands eventually, but. Oh, and it's, obviously, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, and um, it's, well, it's all up in the air at this point all right so let's move on we just like i said we did have another tragedy uh, as if one wasn't enough after losing joey moss next week uh we lose an incredible guy um travis roy and if you guys don't know about travis roy he was a you know a hotshot college kid playing at boston university and on his first shift seconds into the game he slides headfirst into the boards, eleven uh, seconds. Yeah, breaking his uh, his uh, fourth vertebrate and becoming a quadriplegic after that. And uh, ever since then, uh, well, this kind of this this hits me in like two different uh, t- two different spots because I mean, obviously, one, I'm I'm in the same exact position that he is, you know. And another thing, you know, yeah. Um, do you guys know who was actually on his line? When that happened, no sir. Chris Drury was actually playing Chris with him. Drury. Yeah, wow. They were they were line mates, and yeah, um, uh, it, they they were really good buddies. I mean, still were, but yeah, Chris Drury was actually on the same line when that happened, and um, yeah, it, it was a tragic thing to happen. Obviously, you hate to see something as serious as that happen, but I mean, they stayed really good friends, and actually. Um, if you watch the 2001 uh, Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup video, Mission Accomplished, yeah. they have a little section about him and how uh, Chris and uh, Travis were um, such good friends. And uh, even when uh, Chris was being interviewed after getting the Stanley Cup, he gave a shout out to Travis and everything. And like they actually had a cam- like a camera with him. With Travis at his house while uh, he was like they were saying that, and he it was real t- tearful and just a really uh, all around uh, good moment. But um, another thing, uh, you know, Travis Travis was a huge a huge advocate for uh, people living with disabilities. He started the uh, Travis Roy Foundation in 1997 that helps out um, uh, anybody. Um, 
uh, afflicted with uh, uh, paralysis. Well, any spinal cord injury, any, really. any spinal cord injury. I should know this. I mean, I hear this all the time in my life. Jeez. What? Uh, yeah. Um, and he started in 1997. That helps people uh, become readjusted after, um, after their accidents or whatever have you. And since 1997, they have distributed more than nine million dollars to, to help people uh, back into their lives after awesome. an accident. So. I mean, uh, just like what we how we said last last week about Joey Moss. I mean, him, him living with Down syndrome, and um, it's it's the same thing with Travis Roy. I mean, uh, here's a guy that you know uh, had pretty much everything. Um, you know, had the world at his fingertips, and something like this uh, happens, and it's so severely life changing, and yet he doesn't stop. He doesn't. Uh, he's, he keeps living and turns out that he just he's helped out so many people so I feel like I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this to everybody's attention that I mean we lost an incredible person exactly and even today he's still bringing joy to hockey players lives um, in 1998 the North Yarmouth Academy Arena was named after him Travis Roy Arena and on top of that, you know, he was also, in 1999, um, his number 24 was retired in the Raptors at Boston University. Um, so that's something, you know, that's what always live on, you know, forever through Travis Roy. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, I mean, he earned, he earned the praise and everything that he got, not because he got hurt 11 seconds into his career, but because he lived after it in such a way that's inspirational and that's important exactly yeah it wasn't just you know that he got injured and you know it's you know it's a sad story like he really he really made a huge impact on so many people's lives you know and and that's and that's a huge thing you know everybody everybody whenever you get put in a, a situation like that you know like well hopefully a lot of people don't you know but when you do get put in that situation you, your life literally is um uh, changed forever and a lot of uh, everything that you believe in or that you thought you could do is um it's um, it, it falls by the wayside, and uh, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing to have to go through, and it, uh, just you can sh- you can see that through Travis Roy, that uh, that bravery and that commitment to making a better life, not just for him but for everybody else. Uh, that's that's huge. Well, and just from what I can gather from the stories and just the news articles and all, just with it he played he was an ambassador on both sides and yeah. that's huge on the hockey community you've got a guy who's an ambassador for people with disabilities and also people that can play I mean it that's just that just speaks volumes that just blows my mind yeah he has that much pull and another thing that I like to just like shine a light on is that there are like you know you you hear about so many players getting hurt and not being able to function after playing hockey that but there is truly life after hockey no matter what and as long as as long as you can find the right uh you know the the right support system it can happen and I feel like the NHL and uh, other hockey leagues should really start you know um 
uh, looking into more support systems for these players after hockey. Because I mean, you look at so many. You look at so many like you know enforcers or fighters and stuff with brain injuries after you know committing suicide or you know, like uh, Bob Bugner, you yeah. know, and uh, 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 Bob Probert. I know he didn't commit suicide, but I mean, there was a lot of things going wrong. Uh, you know, they swept underneath the rug. Yeah, talked yeah. And I, I just I feel I feel that this is the perfect time to really say that I I feel like. You know, all these hockey leagues should really start looking at a, a like a stronger support system for uh, you know retired hockey players. Especially look at the NFL, how they have totally worked their helmets, the way they practice. They've changed rules to the game. Not saying that hockey needs to change the rules, but you know the NFL has really taken you know a huge step in helping players in head trauma. The NHL should be doing the exact same thing, whether it's looking at equipment, you know, trying to evolve equipment. Maybe not changing the rules, but at the end of the day, you have to be looking at, you know, programs after NHL. What happens after hockey life? You have to look into those. And even during, honestly, if you guys read that uh, article that Colin Wilson just wrote from the ABS. Yeah. With his OCD and just all the his trials and tribulations yeah. that he went through. Sure. Like, I mean, that that's even more so. Like, the, yeah, nip everything after the fact in the butt, uh, but it's the here and now, right? Now. You, we, you get what I'm saying? We, yeah, have, yeah. we have a tendency to forget sometimes that hockey players are people too. Oh, yeah. You know, and so they go through all of the same things that we go through and, you know, in terms of things like depression and all those kinds of things. But we don't always see that because we're seeing them as the heroes that they are. Oh, yeah. And we're seeing them in an environment where that just doesn't, it seems like, oh, that can't happen, but it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point so yeah we do like see them as these like superheroes and it does fall i feel it really does fall to the wayside that these guys are in, uh you know these guys aren't you know impermeable impermeable nice cody yeah. oh man hey big word he's a big college word i have he's never a been college guy i have never been more proud oh four <laughs> syllable word baby <laughs> No, but just as you know, it's like a side topic here. If anybody has not watched the Weight of Gold documentary, it literally goes through what it's like to be an athlete. Um, even just you know, as a winter Olympian or summer Olympian, you go to the the trials and tribulations of becoming a professional athlete um, and getting to the highest level and having things taken away and you know the mental aspect of that. So great documentary, watch it. But you know, I was looking just you know talking even to about Ross a little bit here about about Colin Wilson, what he said. You know, there's more things going on besides the mental aspect you know some players do have you know mental issues and they have you know drug and alcohol issues as well that they have to get past that you know a lot of us don't see it as fans and we see these guys as part of the entertainment business but not as humans yeah it's just the the, uh you know it's the invisible disabilities i mean ocd's like a really hard thing to to live with it's like the big elephant that nobody talks about it, it, it seriously is. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of sad. It's almost swept underneath the rug, but it's almost a double-edged sword at the same time. It really, well, it is, you know. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Once it gets swept under the rug, you know, it just sits there and builds up and builds up and builds up and gets worse. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's... And unfortunately, sometimes uh, within, you know, society, I feel, well, definitely within society, and I think more so in professional sports, is that when a player does actually come out 
and say that they've you know they've been dealing with these things it almost uh, it almost labels them with a stigma yeah you know and it's unfortunate that way because we shouldn't look at it as a stigma we should look at it as this person is a person and needs help yeah you know we are imperfect beings even though we are uh, expected to be perfect yeah you know so um and and in that case, I I do want to send a, just the you know some positive vibes out to Colin Wilson. I truly hope he gets the help that he needs oh. and um, can can find a, his way out of that out of you know a really dark time in his life. Yeah, and to kind of segue this, you know, just you know, uh, you know, shout outs to the family of you know Travis Roy, oh. um, his parents Lee and Brenda Roy, and their family and um, everyone there. You know, that revolves around them. You know, absolutely. Thoughts and prayers go out to you guys. Big time, big time condolences. All right, so um, not to uh, switch, switch, but we're gonna switch. Uh, You know. I never know. I know. I never know how to transition from uh, like a, a, a super like solemn and serious thing into maybe a little more lightheaded, just, hearted, lightheaded, lighthearted kind of a like, thing. Uh, Sixty-six Chevelle Super Sport just start just crushing gears. I'm All just, right. <laughs> well, then I'm gonna crush it. All right, Sully. Thank you so much for being here again, man. We're so excited to talk. Um, yeah, so we've got a lot to talk about. Let's start at the beginning, man. Um, how, how, like, you know, just talk about how you got into hockey and, you know. It's uh, it's actually, it's, it's, an, it's a crazy thing in its own way. And yet getting into hockey changed my entire life. I mean, it's affected every bit of my life since then. And it all happened because some guy who I only met once in my entire life who worked with my father, and I don't think they were friends. I, and I have no idea except that he was a graduate of Clarkson Tech University. <laughs> and the very first event at the new Rochester Community War Memorial was Clarkson Tech versus Queens hockey. I had never heard the word hockey before. And this guy, some for some reason, says... Hey, would your son like to go to a hockey game? And my father said, yeah, probably because anything that would get me away was good. You know? <laughs> take him. Just take, take him. him. Yeah. yeah, please take him anyway. And you don't have to get come him back. Out of here. You, don't, you don't have to bring him back, but <laughs> if you want to, go ahead. But anyways, he takes me to this game, and we're sitting in the second row off the ice, and I went nuts. I mean, this game, to me, was everything. I All of the, you know, skating, hitting, shooting, pucks, bam, bam, bam. I go crazy. So then this, this was like in uh, March of my seventh grade year. And I went into eighth grade in September, and the Rochester Americans showed up. We did not have a hockey team in Rochester. The Pittsburgh Hornets arena burned down, and the, trans- or the franchise was transferred to Rochester. So that's the only reason why the Rochester Mar- Americans ever even existed. That, that's how they got started. And it was owned by then. It was a co-ownership between, believe it or not, the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we had some players coming through. Oh, yeah. You know. And at that time, it's probably original six. Oh yeah, stuff. oh yeah, it was, yeah. Expansion was way down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Still had a few more years to so, go. Yeah, they had. So they, it was it was phenomenal. And of course, I start. I had a paper route, so I went to every single game that first year, except one. 
Why'd you miss the first one? Because somebody picked my pocket. No way. I was standing in line, and the club had gotten good, so the clubs, the games were selling out. I got in line, get up to the window, no money. I run home crying, of course, like oh. a, like a little baby. <laughs> and my mother says, "We can do it." But by then, it was sold out. And I, How far did you live from the rink? Well, I lived, and and we didn't have a car or anything like that, so I had to take the bus. I had no bus money. Oh, that's right. Oh, boy. I had to walk about, oh, three, mi- no. about three miles in February. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uphill both ways. Yeah. Holes in my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, I, I went every game. I became, I became fanatical about hockey, and then... A couple of years later, when I was 16, they had no youth programs or anything like that. Right. When I was 16, they, the Lions Club started a league, and I immediately jumped in there and, of course, knew nothing about buying skates, you know, so my father bought me skates that were six sizes too big, and I thought I had weak ankles. I thought that, and I thought that all the way until the time when I was working for the Rochester Americans and the trainer gave me a pair of skates that actually fit that actually fit he fitted me and i went out the next day and i said holy crap i can't sk- i don't have weak ankles it's just you were wearing cl- clown shoes on butter knives basically exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i still played pretty good hey there you go well hey. not really but you know i was, I was okay oh yeah <laughs> I, was, I was an enforcer attaboy uh, yeah you just got to keep the jam that's all you got to do oh wow <laughs> just to keep the Balance. The wobble. Yeah, the balance. Yeah. Yeah, just control the wobbles. That's all you got to do. And then I went when I went to I, I I had a couple of college episodes. You know, I didn't I didn't finish in four years. I took time off in that. Oh, stuff. I know how you but feel. But when I first went, I went to Niagara University. They had no hockey program or anything. I started the club hockey team at Niagara University. Really and nice. I, and I'd like to tell you that that became. The Division One school they are today, but there were a lot of gaps in between about twenty years and stuff. So it probably might not have been exactly. Ah, uh, you just put the idea in their brains, though. That's what I like to think. Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, how how exactly did you become you know the PR guy for the Rochester Americans, man? Well, I when I got when I got married when I was twenty one and. We became season ticket holders, and I started the Rochester Americans Executive Club, which was a booster club, and got to hang around a little bit. You know, my, one of my mentors, a guy that meant as much in my life and biggest effect on my life as anybody, was Joe Crozier, who went, beca- on, went on and become the coach of the Buffalo Sabres mm-hmm. and coached the French Connection. <sighs> and like I say, later on, I got to play against them. Oh, <laughs> my first face-off in that alumni game, I go out and I'm standing there and I look up and who's the one facing off next to me? Gilbert Perot. Oh, oh no way. No God. way. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be really jealous throughout well, this entire I had, episode. Well, already. I had a really good time. I mean, it was a tremendous, it was a tremendous experience. All those guys were fantastic. Freddie Stanfield at that time thought, you know, he was, he's, he was thinking he was pretty good because he was like 60 years old or something like that, you know. And he comes up to me, he says, who's the oldest guy here? I says, how old are you, Freddie? And he says, 60. I says, well, you're a baby. <laughs> oh. I was, you're a baby. I was 62. 
So that was the other set before I forget about it because these alumni games, you, you, we'll get back to the rest of it. But yeah. the, the next alumni game I play, I played two total in Jamestown, New York against the Buffalo Sabres. And the second game, I get out on the ice, and who's playing there that day but Rob Roy, or uh, Rob Ray. Oh, oh, no. But wow. here's the interesting story. He had retired from the Buffalo Sabres one week before. Oh. Did, did you pop him a nice and, one, though? And after, and about two weeks after that game, he signed with Ottawa. So that's, that's I played funny. with a current. And that little, I'll tell you a story about Rob Ray, which to me is funny now. It wasn't so funny then. We're playing anyways and all that kind of stuff. And I finally I get the puck. I'm going into my, going in the offensive zone, you know, and I hear, Sully, Sully, from the defense, you know. So, boom, I pass the pack, puck back. It was Rob. Oh, oh man. Oh. And I, I went after to the him. right to him. I went after him. Oh, how, how the, how'd you fare with that, bud? I won. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean looking yeah. at the guy. Hey, listen. When I get into a shouting match, I always win. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> well, you didn't think it was fisticuffs, did you? Oh, well. <laughs> I tried, but he wouldn't have me. <laughs> so, anyway. Wow. Oh, Raw Ray. That's insane. So, anyways, I got, because I started the executive club and all that kind of stuff, I kind of got in a little bit, and I... One of the sad things, and that wasn't sad, but it was just different. Is I get drafted and sent to Vietnam, and while I'm in Vietnam, I get a letter saying, geez, I'm sorry you weren't here because we just hired a PR guy for the Amherst. It would have been you. Joe Crozier would have hired you, but you were gone. I said, oh, no, my chance of my lifetime. Oh, right. You're sitting in Vietnam like, oh, yeah, this choice you. Uh, job would have Thank you, you very much. But anyway, that, I want to... Later on, I came back, went back to school. So essentially, if you weren't in the service, you would have had that job. I would have had it then. <laughs> instead of... Wow. And I would have had a, probably a longer run because of the situation. Right, but, right. But then I, I, I came back and I went to school. And actually, when I was in school, I was hanging around the hockey club and all that kind of stuff. And my volunteering and stuff. And my friend, who was the PR guy, Jim, Jim Ball, he calls me. And, and Vancouver had... Bought the club, Vancouver, NHL Vancouver this time. And uh, they had brought in some new management and all that kind of stuff. And I I'd met them and was volunteering, working with them. I get a call from my friend, my really good friend, Jimmy Ball. And he says, Sully, I just got fired. He says, I think they're going to offer you the job. Oh, man. I no, said, Jimmy. No way. I said, Jimmy, I, what? He says, Sully, I'm already gone. You can't, you know, you got to take it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean. So I did. But I was still, <laughs> I was still, in, I was still technically in school. I hadn't, I had just, I had, I had like nine credits to go before graduation. But of course, in my prior career, I had had a couple of C's and D's that weren't counted in the second go-round. So I sent him a letter and I said, I think with my current status, you know, I had gone from when I left college the first time I was on the shit list. And when I came back, I was I was much more mature after I got back from Vietnam. On the I, was dean's on, list. I was on the dean's list. So I wrote back and I says, if you factor in all those things, if you add in some of those hours, could you graduate me? And they did. Oh, so, way to go. Yeah. So anyway, that was, so I got the job as PR director for the Rochester Americans and Head off, you know. It was a, it was a thrilling, thrilling time. It was, 
you know, ungodly hours and stuff because I was so devoted to it and all that kind of stuff. That it was just hideous. And then uh, we had a, an interesting year, middle of the season. Doug Adam, the coach and general manager, calls me into the office on a Sunday night after a game. I think it was in January. And he says, Sully, things aren't going that good here. He says, we got to we got to do something. I think I'm going to step down as coach because he was general manager and coach. He said, I'm going to step down as coach. He says, uh, and we had brought in a guy in that summer who had been selling used cars and wanted to try out for the team, make a comeback. He had played over the Amherst during their Calder Cup years. And Doug had said, what do you think of this guy? Should we let him have a tryout? It was Don Cherry. Shut up. Yeah. Good old, good old Donnie oh, Cherry. It, it was Don Cherry. So, so I you know, yeah, he played on the Calder Cup teams. I can make a big story out of this. So we hired him as a player. And then he didn't play every game because they were trying to play the young kids and stuff like that. But anyways, in January, Doug says 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, Sunday night. He says, I'm thinking maybe making Cherry the coach. What do you think? I says, well, I can make a big story out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you, you, you so, pretty much made my job easy. So we hired Don Cherry. Now, you've got it. At, at, yeah. at a restaurant at midnight, because he wasn't home. We called his wife. He wasn't home yet. They had gone out, you know. And then we, called, we finally got a hold of him. He says, meet us at Ike Tahoe's, a little hamburger joint. And we sat there at 1230 and hired him. On the spot, just at some hamburger stand. Actually, we had wow. in Rochester. They're famous for what they call the garbage plate. Oh, oh do tell. That's what Please. I had. That's yeah. what I had. I don't remember what he had. Oh, the same place I eat at. That's hot dogs and beans and uh, f- some sort of fried potatoes Perfect. and some hot sauce and it's a pretty powerful. It's a legendary dish in Rochester, New York. And if you go there, you can still find it. Wow. I might have to go up there and get it. Yeah. So, so just go, uh, garbling just like massive uh, uh, carbs and calories and just hiring grapes as, a, as the new head coach for the <laughs> hiring, Register hiring, Americans. Hiring grapes. And that was, you know, that's how he got That's how he got to be coaching. He, he was seriously selling used cars for Valley Cadillac. Oh, man. So how, how closely did you work with, uh, you know, Don Cherry throughout the, the rest of the time? Well, that is, through that season, uh, we found out that his method of motivating players, and Don, if Don's listening, I'm sorry, Don, to bring up all this kind of stuff. Because I like you. I mean, you're fine. You're a fine guy and everything else. I don't mean to disparage you, but here's the story. His method of motivating teams was to be their hero. So that meant down, putting down everybody else in the upper office. So his boss, Doug Adam, oh, if he'd leave us alone, we'd be all right. If he'd do the... We got getting bad reports about what it, he was, how he was motivating oh, players. Yeah. Uh, these guys in the so, in the up upstairs, which they don't believe in you, which followed his entire career. As as you, as you notice later on when he was with Boston, why did he get fired? Same stuff. So when he basically, gets to Colorado, and and from what I hear, I wasn't in Colorado at the time, but from what I hear. The owner couldn't walk in the building because Don had already been putting him down in the press and all that kind of stuff. So that's why that's why when he was fired from Colorado, he never got another job. Really? Because of the he was blackballed by the. It was basically like a reverse, like slap shot kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So wow. <laughs> so after the after the season was over, we didn't rehire him. And about a month after we didn't rehire him, Vancouver sold the club to local ownership. And they hired Don Cherry as the general manager and coach, so now he was my boss. Oh, God. Oh, wow. And you have, like, Ed, he actually thought you were, like, laughing at him when the first time he well, got fired I didn't, or something. I didn't, know, I didn't know it at the time because, you know, when he came on, I stayed. It was probably, well, I, he got hired in June. And uh, in just September, just before the season started, I got called into the office. And... Don Cherry was there with half of the board of directors, president of Champion Products, the vice president of Lincoln First, the little PR guy, knows nothing. And I get in there, and all these bigwigs are there, and they're saying, they say, Don never said a word, not one word. They said, Sully, <laughs> Sully, you know, you did a, you've done a good job and everything, but Don needs his own team, and we're sorry, but we got to let you go. <sighs> so, okay, I know, I go, and... I go on with my life, and it's turned out pretty damn well since then. Oh, yeah. But at any rate, uh, fast forward three or four years. And well, I, now, hold on. Didn't you say that you were laughing outside of a building at one point, and well, Don Cherry thought I, he said he was laughing, well, you were laughing at him? Well, that's because I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that until four years later. Oh, my goodness. When I pick up Sports Illustrated, and they're doing a story on Don Cherry. And I'm reading through, and oh, yeah, it's interesting. And then he gets to the point where he says, yeah, he says, you know, they had fired me at, in Rochester, but then local ownership hired me and hired me back. He says, the very first thing I did was fire the PR guy. I could taste his <laughs> blood. Oh, boy. <laughs> he, was out in the hall, he was out in the office laughing when I got fired. Well, I have no clue. I was not laughing at Don Cherry being fired. If I was out in the office... I don't know. I might have told a joke or something, <laughs> and started laughing at my own joke, or maybe the bookkeeper told one. Maybe I was laughing. I have no clue. Oh, but that PR guy was you. But I was the PR guy. You were the guy. I was the guy. <laughs> Often but, talked about, but never seen. Well, You're like a unicorn, Sully. Well, yeah, I do have a horn. <laughs> 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 and he toots it. And so, uh, when you look back on those PI days, uh, I mean, uh, who are your who are your favorite kind of like players that you who you got to hang out with? Uh, I mean, anybody of like? Well, there were a lot of guys. Not all not all of them just due to the fact that I was the PR guy. Although some of them were, uh, but uh, Jerry Cheevers, Jerry Cheevers, and I used to drink every single night after the game. I wasn't working for the club then. I was with the executive club. And the entire team used to go to the downtowner restaurant after the game because Merle Sweet treated them like kings. And I always went down because I was hanging out with hockey guys, my wife and I, and we would wind up sitting with Betty Cheevers and Jerry Cheevers and drinking until whatever time and having a good time. But Jerry, and Jerry was a, you know, he's got the mask with all of the stitches and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, he was a, his story, interesting enough, when he was playing for Rochester his first year as pro, there was a big story about him. He had never gotten a stitch as a goalie. Really? Never had a stitch. And we're sitting there one night watching my wife and I and our friend Jerry Jeepers, and doesn't he catch one flush right in the face? 
Oh. Goes off uh, off the ice. He lost about six teeth. <laughs> I mean, it was a vicious. He went down as hard. But that was the first stitches he ever had. Wow. Six wow. teeth, huh? Wow. So, and later on, of course, he made that mask his famous. Oh, and, yeah. Because yeah. if I go back to remembering right, that every single time he got hit with the puck in the mask, he went and made a stitch made a on stitch the on thing. Yeah. yeah. You got another funny story about uh, Jerry Cheevers like, after they uh, won the Calder Cup, don't you? Oh, yeah. When I, well, before I wasn't working with the club or anything. It was before I was there, I was just... And I, I had been this fan for you know for all these years, and Rochester is finally playing for the Stanley or for the Calder Cup, and don't we win? My wife and I are sitting there in our second row seat, and I'm I'm so excited. Gee, I got to be part of this somehow, but I don't know anybody, and I'm standing there and watching. I and the dressing room was right underneath where we sat, the tunnel to that. So we, I was out there and I'm looking, and all of a sudden I see Bobby, and I'm dressed up. In those days, you dressed up for hockey games and stuff. I had a, I had a suit and I had a hat, even a little fedora hat. Oh, know, yeah, all, looking all sly. I was looking suave. And anyway. <laughs> Stay flat. So, uh, 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 uh. so I go down there and I see this. I knew Bobby Bond played with Rochester. He played for the, for the my Toronto Maple Leafs at that time. Went on to win several Stanley Cups. Oh, yeah. Won one with a broken foot. Played played a game with a broken foot. Yes, he did. Bobby Bond <laughs> comes down, and he's, you know, I see him walking up, and he sees the doorman at the tunnel to the dressing room, and he says, Bobby Bond, Toronto, and walks right in, you know, and I'm thinking, that doorman doesn't know Bobby Bond from a bag of beans. <laughs> <laughs> You tempted the spirits. Andy, Andy Bathgate played for Toronto at that time, too. I was Andy Bathgate. That night. <laughs> so I go walking up to that door, and doesn't he open the door? And I make a beeline into the dressing room. The only guy I did actually know was Jerry Cheever. I made a beeline right for him. <laughs> And I'm standing there, and then the PR guy says, Hey, you don't have champagne? I said, Yeah, I don't have any champagne. And he comes over and gives me a paper cup full of champagne, and being the gentleman that I was, I saved some for my wife. I mean, you want to oh, be rude. Oh, you, you, my friend. Chivalry the right there. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Oh, Andy Bathgate for the night. How about that? Must have been a good year, champagne. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I can yell Sully anymore. I'll just be like, and hey, will we see you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's the beer at? Yeah, why Where's not? the champagne at? Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, anytime I'm, I need to get anywhere, I'm bringing Sully, man. He's got the moves. <laughs> I was not actually that ballsy a guy at the time, but I learned. Oh, well, you just saw what happened in front of you, and you're like, oh. Fuck it, I'm taking a chance. I had to get to be part of that. And then the, later on, or that was the first year that we won the Calder Cup. Then we won the next year also. But by the next year, I was in solid, so that I was invited to the party. And uh, let me tell you something. In the Calder Cup, they fill it with champagne, and you drink it, and you pass it around bottles and drink champagne. My wife and I drank a whole lot of champagne. I had the worst hangover ever. <laughs> Oh, that, that. Champagne hangovers are awful. They're terrible. Champagne oh, does that. Yeah. Oh, that's, well, there's a reason why there's the word pain 
in the in the weird champagne. <laughs> champagne? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey man. Oh well, was the party better than the hangover though? That's well, the, the party, question. Party was outstanding. Oh, well, there I mean, you go. I mean, when you're drinking for for a hockey guy, I mean, you know, it's like if you were drinking on the Stanley Cup, well, the Calder Cup's pretty darn good, oh, especially right. in those days. Oh, it's oh, just you know, as good. Oh yeah. Pre-expansion, that year we could have beaten the Rangers or Boston. We were a better team than Boston or Rangers. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. What a feeling to pass around something like that and drink out of it like you're on the night table. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like the Holy Grail. Uh, I hate well, that's, that's Stanley. This might be carried away. Can you imagine now how awful it is not to be able to do that with the COVID crap? Oh, yeah. You know, I got the Stanley Cup. Well, it's okay, but we're not drinking out of it. I, actually, some of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning guy, uh, players got in trouble for that. Yeah, no, my buddy what? was there and he saw that because he does the final rounds. There's, there's, there's so many, there are millions of Stanley Cup stories, including the time it was thrown off a bridge. Yeah, oh yeah. You know. Stuck in a swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, Stanley Cup, there's nothing, there's nothing like the Stanley Cup. Oh, oh definitely no. not. That thing has more stories that yeah. it can't tell. No, that everybody else tells. And that's yes. a beauty, beauty, beauty thing. It really is. Every sport to make a new trophy every year. This is the only trophy you can add on to. Yeah. That's pretty great. And also, the same family has been doing the like the engraving for pretty much the whole entire time, too. Well, like I said, I mean, uh, back on the old episode, I'm pretty sure the Stanley Cup uh, has got more women than uh, Ron Jeremy. So... <laughs> um, so. So I I, I want to know this like I mean back back in the day uh, uh, when you were with the Americans you must have had to write some pretty insane uh, uh, stuff I mean talking about games and stuff uh, like uh, what, what what were some of your favorite you know, releases that you had to do you got to remember that in the, at that time at least you know things were different you know you had typewriters for one thing you didn't have computers. You had to send out press releases on a mimeograph machine, which was a huge pain in the neck because you had to type it on this blue paper and stuff, then you wrapped it around this drum and then printed. Because I had to send out a couple hundred press releases. Oh, yeah. You know, but <clears throat> this, is a, this is a thing I'm patting myself on the back. Can I do that? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I'm patting myself on the back right now because in our <laughs> office... In our office, we had a Western Union teletype machine because we had to send the scores and game reports after every game to the league office. So we had a teletype machine. So i doing that, and I'm all of a sudden I'm thinking, you think they got teletype machines at the radio, at the television stations. They got teletype machines over at the TV or at the newspaper. I'll bet things look a whole lot more important coming over a teletype machine than they do in that mail oh yeah oh so i started sending press releases to the newspaper and television stations via teletype really so that's an early adapter of technology that's cool yeah it was it was it was it was fun for me and and i I had a lot of a lot of good time with it and i think you know the stories that you write uh, you're trying to find something that'll hook every game you know so whether it's uh you know, a, a story about a goon on another team that's threatening us or something like that. Oh we, yeah, we, I would try to find stories like that that would that would do that, or or else I'd try to not keep out 
keep, I try to keep out of the press the fact that I got a call that my defenseman had just been arrested for DUI. Oh yeah. <laughs> so How I many would, times did that happen? Oh, it happened. It only ha- actually, it only happened a couple of times. They were pretty good at driving drunk. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. <laughs> I mean, they're athletes, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. So it went pretty well, but but you know, so there's there was things like that, but there was a lot of it was more engaging with fans and taking players out to dinners and stuff like that, or, or you know, like a uh, a major event. You know, uh, it was a couple of times where you know I would go as the representative of the hockey club to some sports dinner or something like that, and get to sit, like, sit next to Ed Marinero the year that he did not win the Heisman Trophy. But he won. But he went to the pros the next year, and then went on to become a star of Hill Street Blues. Jeez. I sat next to him that night. That was fun. Oh yeah, and yeah. you you said you actually have a pretty good story about uh, going to one with Gordy Howe. Yeah. Oh yeah, Gordy. Gordy is my absolute favorite. I mean, he was my idol growing up. And like I say, when when I got uh, when Don Cherry got hired, we went up to. Doc Gordy, we were. I was invited to Gordy Howe's induction dinner to the Hall of Fame when he left the NHL. They waived the six-year requirement and all that kind of stuff, and so I got to go to that dinner and just met him. Met him very briefly, you know, and then I met him another time. We had an exhibition game in Rochester, and I got to see him just for a second, and say hello, Gordy. And, you know, same shit. I love you all the time, all that kind of stuff. But then after, when he was with the Hartford Whalers, this last season. We had a we had a thing in Rochester called the Rochester Press Radio Club dinner. We invite it used to be the, called the Hickok Belt dinner, but then it changed. But we'd bring in top celebrities and sports heroes for dinner, and they'd speak and all that kind of stuff, you know. And this year, Gordy Howe was invited to the dinner, and when he came, because I'm a member of the Press Radio Club, I got to be there for the press conferences and all that kind of stuff. And of course, I'm like a little leech, you know. I'm hanging out of Gordy Howe like I'm part of his body. <laughs> and they have a press conference and Lou Pinella gives his two minutes and somebody else gives their two minutes and Gordy Howe and at that time he had actually had sprained his knee so he was on crutches a little bit but he sat there and he let everybody that wanted a personal interview have one radio, TV, anybody and I'm watching all of this and he's being, he's being Gordy Howe he's so gracious and everything and the last person to interview him was a student from Brockport State University for their college paper. And I'm watching. And you'd have thought that it was Gordy Howe's first interview and it was with the New York Times. Because he treated that kid like he was, you know, a sports writer of of great acclaim. Yeah, like a Nobel Prize, uh, like a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist. And I, you know, again, like I said, what an experience for that kid, too. Oh, you know, and well, it was a hell of an experience for me. I mean, I'm literally like a lap dog. I'm following him. Yeah, like, of course. And I'm not, I got no pride because I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. You I know. mean, it's Mr. Hockey. I mean, and, I, every, I, and everybody that he runs into, every, you know, I was with him for hours, and everybody that he ran into, he treated them like they were his long lost brother or something. I mean, this guy was amazing. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, well, and, and I'll tell you one more story about Gordy Howe. One more story. Before I had known him or anything like that, before I was with the Amherst, when I was when my wife and I were season ticket holders, Rochester Americans' second half of the season, like from February on or something, was canceled, not canceled, moved 
from Rochester, Toronto, because the American Bowling Congress came in and took over the War Memorial. As season ticket holders, we were given the option of being able to, number one, go up and see our games that Rochester was playing in Toronto, because they played in the Maple Leaf Gardens, but we also had access to tickets to Maple Leaf Gardens, which at that time was sold out. Oh. And my wife and I, we drove from Rochester, Toronto, every weekend that there were games and we would go and see you know rochester on friday night maple leafs on saturday night toronto marlboro sunday afternoon and then the rochester americans again on sunday night that kind of what a schedule yeah but one night we're playing or maple leafs are playing detroit so i'm there and i'm watching for the first time live my hero gordy howe and we see him and he's skating, and all of a sudden, defenseman for Toronto, Larry Hillman, real big guy, strong, tough guy, talked like this. Hey, how are you? And he's a real high pitched voice. <laughs> so, anyways, I see him, he kind of gives Gordy one of these shots, you know. And I turn to my wife, I says, Stop watching the puck. Just watch Gordy. Don't take your eyes off him. Couple of seconds go by, blah blah blah. All of a sudden, the puck's going the other way. Hillman's coming up the ice. Gordy plays Zorro with his stomach. <sighs> Referee never saw a darn thing. Nobody. And Hillman's all double over. <laughs> and I said, "That's Gordy." Oh, yeah. oh wow. Well, and it's Gordy for you. My last thing that I'll bring up because you can attest that. Gordy was a true blue, just hockey guy, and he had that just hockey sense and just that hockey persona in and out of the actual rink and in person. With my buddy, his dad helped him move down to Texas, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Nope, absolutely right. Um, but um, his son, Mark, Mark, handled everything, and Mark... Yeah had the same just persona as his dad and I think that kind of just yeah. rings kind of out loud that no matter if you're a kid or you know of a hockey god or something like that it that just speaks volumes yeah. you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree no, and Gordy's wife was you know a very big part of all all the things handled the business affairs and everything else for, for Gordy and they raised their boys right. Oh yeah. yeah. Two of them playing in the National Hockey League, and one, one oh, the one I think the Mark the went on to become a doctor. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, just yeah. incredible. Said, just the way that he instilled his yeah. values and everything, it just you know went on to. God bless you, Gordy Howe. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Mister so. Hockey. So I, I gotta I I do want to uh, kind of shine a light on this. Um, so. From a PR perspective, uh, like back in your uh, Americans days to now, what do you think has changed the most in like uh, in, in hockey, especially uh, especially for a PR person's uh, point of view? Well, I think from the game standpoint itself, it's certainly the speed. You know, I mean, the equipment and everything is so much different and all that kind of stuff. And in the old days, I mean, the one big thing about the old days, I mean, it was. It was a far more violent game. Oh, yeah. I mean, the checking was insane. It was just insane. The fighting. Yeah. And there was no there was no stage fights. It wasn't anybody. They didn't go off to the center ice and drop the gloves. At the, you know, somebody got an elbow and then paid 
got paid for it. I mean, it, these were all serious fights. I mean, there, there were some battles. You know, it's just like Gordy, Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe had one of the most memorable fights in history with Lou Fontanano. Oh, yeah. Lou Fontanano's nose was over by his ear at the end of the fight. Oh, yeah. You know? So, I mean, and everybody had to take care of themselves. There was no protection. There was a lot of great hockey players that never made it to the National Hockey League because they just weren't playing tough enough. There was a guy, Len Lundy, scored in back in, in this is back, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And Len Lundy was scoring 50 goals a year in the American Hockey League. I mean, he was... So when expansion comes, I'm up in, in Pittsburgh for a game, and Jack Button, who had been the, or Jack Riley, had been the general manager in Rochester way before me. I didn't know him. I, I had met him once or something, but I knew who he was. Right. And I'm up in Pittsburgh, and I see him. So <laughs> if I see somebody, I'm going to say hello. So oh, yeah. I'm going to remember his age. Hey, Jack, let me ask you a couple of questions. He says, okay, what? I says, Got Len Lundy down here playing with the Rochester Americans right now. He scored goals all over the place. Been doing it for years. How come he doesn't, you know, with his expansion? How come he isn't up here? Well, why isn't he in the league? Yeah, right. And he says, he looks at me, he says, he doesn't go in the corners. Oh, so oh. he doesn't, in doesn't involve himself so. in the play as much as he should be. So he just can't take care of himself. He can't take care of himself, and you know that was. Uh, the other thing, there was another guy, Bobby Cook, a tragic story, but I won't get into that tragedy part of it, but he was a solid player in the American Hockey League, young guy, and had a slap, had a slap shot that would knock your ears off. You know, I mean, he, and I finally asked somebody, I says, how come he's not upstairs? He says, he's a turner. I says, what? I says, watch him. He doesn't stop and go back the other way, he turns. He makes those turns instead of digging in and stopping oh, and going back yeah. the other way. So yep. the, they call those guys turners. Ooh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that was, uh, well, for me, being a hockey player, that, that I think that's one of the biggest things my dad always got so pissed off about. He's like, you don't turn, you stop, and then you go back the other way. It is. I think he goes, Ginky goes both ways. I mean, I've been through plenty of Canadian hockey camps where they say keep momentum going. Right. You can keep it tight, turn tight, and just change direction. There's a difference there. So, I mean, that's how I think the game has changed over the years, too, as well, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but even though I mean, you're talking when you're talking tight turns, you're talking tight turns. Yes, sir. You know, there's a huge difference. Yes, between sir. Huge, <laughs> huge difference between those ones that I take. Uh, it's just like a big old trip, just around the block. Yeah. Just listening <laughs> lazily to the left. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, yeah. one question I did have for you though is, you know, what are you doing nowadays? Well, I'm not doing a whole hell of a lot, you know, because of that stupid COVID. Yeah. Uh, there's, I mean, I, my grandson's eight years old, and he's a, he's a pretty good little hockey player right now. Oh yeah, he skates. I mean, he skates. He's a really good skater. He's really good. As a matter of fact, Gabe Gauthier. He played. My grandson's played up in the pups versus pros at the outdoor tournament that Dog Nation had. And a shout out to Dog Nation. How can I be talking all this time and never say Dog Nation once? Marty, I'm sorry, I guess wrapped up here. Dog You're Nation. Get a phone call. Dog Nation is well. <laughs> Dog Nation is singularly one of the greatest organizations ever. I mean, they, there's so many. I mean, you know, and all. Oh, and then yeah. everybody that listens to this knows already 
But let me tell you something. I, I got here and I was lucky, very lucky. The first year I was here, the summer league, Dog Nation drafted me on sight unseen. I mean, they didn't know who I was. Right. And they happened to like me because they, they didn't keep me because I was a great hockey player. <laughs> you know, I was the C player. Every team, you know, in the over 40 league, you're, you know. So they got to have a C player anyway. But they kept me on. Well, I mean, it has done so much for me in terms of being able to be involved with them and all of the spectacular things they do that it gave me, a, you know, another life right after I got here, as soon as I got here from Rochester, or from New York. So, so I, 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 I follow him as much as I can, you know, uh, and watch him skate, you know, because now you can't do it live, but I get to watch him on TV or something. But yeah, anyways, pay 20 bucks a month. Yeah, he's a, he's a good little, he's a really, really good skater. Gabe Gauch, anyways, he was at the pond hockey tournament. So he... He's got it, and he had gotten a, a jersey for Christmas because he plays in Nevada. But his mother got him one with his name Sullivan on the back of it and all that kind of stuff for Christmas. And uh, so we take him to the outdoor tournament. And he goes out on the ice, pups versus pros. I turned to Milan, <laughs> Hayduk, you know, because I know Milan. I said, hey, Milan, that's my grandson. He says, okay. So he goes over and he starts hooking Ralph right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ralph hooked him back. Oh, yes, oh. yes. And yes. then he hooked everybody else out there back. <laughs> the crowd, who don't know who he is or anything else, they're going, Sully, Sully, go get him, Sully. Because <laughs> he was, but Gabe, Gabe Gauci afterwards says, Sully, he's a good little skater. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm in my glory when it comes to that. Other than that, you know, I, I I love working at the Pepsi or at the uh, Ball Arena. The Ball Arena. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah. Ball arena. I, I love working there, but I haven't been able to do it. Uh, and I did have the experience with COVID, where I was shut down pretty good. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I still have some residuals from that a little bit. Oh, I, mean, uh, I would imagine. You know, I, yeah. I get tired easy and all that kind of stuff. But I'm doing I'm doing you know, fine. You know, after. <laughs> Just being here is fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. You know, so it's all good. Uh, so you know, now I read a lot, watch a lot of television, and go around and wait for something to happen. Right. Oh hey, <laughs> I'm in the same place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's pretty much how this podcast started. You know. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's a silver lining in everything. Oh, there? absolutely. You know. So what's uh, what's your favorite part about uh, ushering over at the? The ball arena. It's the it's the people. Well, you know, I mean, I see you going up in the elevator, and I run in and get in the elevator with you, and it gives me a lot of freedom to be able to inter- interact with people. I love people, and I love telling them stories. You know, oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Is all. You know, when I go in there to, you know, I'll be at the East Elevator, and then I'll go in for the game and see it and stuff, and then, and then you know, I get to interact with the people, and you know, I really like that. Well, and I also see that not just from when Cody and I come to games, but just from when people stop off in your floor. Oh, we're Sully. <laughs> we're Sully. No, they ask for you. Like, you... They go yeah. to you. Hey, yeah. listen, uh, here's a sad shout-out, too. I got to, as long as we're bringing that up, at the East Elevator... My dearest friend works at the Dennis. You know Dennis. Oh, yeah, Dennis. Works at the mm-hmm. desk. Yep. Yeah. Well, he passed away. Oh... And I miss that guy. I mean, you know, ever, when I, as soon as I started working there, Dennis and I became really good friends and close. And we had so many laughs and so much fun. 
And he was another guy that was just great with the people. Everybody loved Dennis. So, Dennis, here's to you, buddy. Oh, cheers. Absolutely. No, I just love that people actually look for you and ask for you. And that's how you know that you make... Yeah, there's the players out on the ice, but sometimes it's just the ushers and stuff like that. Because I know that there was a few ladies that were up in my section in 316. Yeah. Oh, I high-fived him every single time just to keep the luck going, and I finally learned about him. And they're great people. Yeah. They're amazing people. I mean, I mean, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, that's no, what they people look for in you. They look for you, yeah. and they're used to you being there. I'm glad of that because, I mean, I enjoy it so much. And I think it's also it's a tribute to the people I work with, too, because, I mean, you know, there may be an odd occasion where something doesn't work out right or something like that. But by and large, I think Pepsi Center does a pretty good job at getting their staff motivated to do a good job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's only been a couple people that I really interacted with, like some ushers that, like, you know, just has, 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 has like, a stick rammed up their butts, you know. Yeah. I, I don't, it's I don't get it a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, very rare. They're the rare ones, and we try to not have them either because we notice it. You know, we try oh. to make sure... Especially, you know, where I am on the club level, the, 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 we've got a pretty good crew. Yeah. yeah. And we look out for each other, and we kind of make sure that if somebody gets assigned there that they know right away, this is how it operates up there. We want the, fan, we want the fans to have a good experience. I used to be responsible for customer service training for organizations I worked with, you know, so I kind of... I kind of like it. Yeah. Oh, well, see, and that's the thing, man. And, and I, 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 you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think hockey is a very social, uh, a very social thing, especially going out to games and stuff. I mean, you you get you dive right into a pool of just different uh, different people oh, yeah. that are like that you know like the same team or dislike the same team, but at the same time, it's almost like you know we're here for a hockey game and uh, hey, that's cool. You pl- you like hockey, I like hockey too. Yeah, well, let's okay. talk about it. You and know, go off of what you just said, Cody. There's people that we see that are either like me, either a Ducks or a Navs fan, or just those two onesie twosie fans or anything. But they are there at the can. I'm still calling it the can because Paul <laughs> makes. Um, they make cans. They make cans. Yeah, so they make the can. I mean, look at every beer that you drink. Let's not be stupid. Maybe I'm a little. I, maybe I just might be a little jaded right now. Uh, <laughs> also, you you have vodka, so. That I is mean, true. I have had a couple <laughs> drinks of vodka tonight. <laughs> no, I mean they just go there just to enjoy the game and just the people that are there. And I think that that's a huge, like, tip of the hat to the whole entire Pepsi Center or Ball Center community yeah. right now. Well, you know, hockey, I, I've found, and I'm, I'm really serious about this, is that I find the hockey people, hockey people in general, hockey players, professional hockey players, and all the other hockey players, they're really a different breed of cat. They are nice people. You very, you know, even in the, the beer league net, you very rarely find somebody that's a yeah, it's total, nice people who don't take much shit. That's a total jerk, you know. I mean, yeah. you see a couple, but very rare. And the same thing, you know, you look at Dog Nation. Dog Nation is made up of hockey people. Oh yeah. And look at what they do, you oh, know. Yeah. I mean, they're they're, and I think every sport has their own heroes and all that kind of stuff. But I honestly believe that hockey is really pretty special that way. That hockey players, even. When I'm working in the uh, at the Avs, I work upstairs. 
for the Nuggets, I worked down in the Club Lexus. Because I'm no, I don't necessarily have to see the game. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but anyways, you see people down there. Well, anyways, a lot of times some of the abs will come in if they're not, you know, if they're in town, they may come to a game, and you see them come in, and you see how they interact with people, and how always they're fun. And gracious and all that kind of stuff. And you see him more personable. Yeah, everything. absolutely. You know, I'm, you know, I, Nazim Kadri came in last year, and I love Nazim. Nazim he, as soon as we signed him, I said, "This is a difference maker," because I love. Oh, one hundred percent. I love the way he plays. And he the made game. a difference. He was a clutch oh, yeah. player all year. Yeah, he's a and he's good. Well, he came in one night, and I made myself available to talk. To of course, of course. <laughs> I'm going to excuse and, uh, myself. <laughs> but it was great because I talked to him. I says, hey, you know, I'm, I says, you're, <laughs> I told him, I says, you got, I got you on my fantasy team and you are making me look great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I just want to thank you. He says, well, yeah, what do you I'll, say? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Keep awesome. it up. Yeah, because he, he was good for me. Well, he did and, you good. I mean, uh, all playoffs, he was very clutch. He yeah. just, he's got that nasty Naz smirk he's got on yeah. all of so He just yeah. gets that smirk. But, but, you know, and he's like, you know, like even the, the, the toughest goons in hockey and all that kind of stuff. They're only tough on the ice. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, in you know. fact, I like if you ask me, most of the uh, you know like big tough guys, they're probably the nicest, most yeah. like caring guys you'll ever meet in your absolutely. life. Absolutely. Well, Again, like, it's just a job. After their job is done, they're regular people. Well, it's like Cody yeah. yeah. McLeod, his best yeah. friend. I think he yeah. played for the opposite team. He'd go out and take him to Elways or something like that before yeah. he just pummeled his face in. Yeah. Basically. Well, you know that's. that's <laughs> I, mean, I like to think that's an Irish trait too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an Irish trait. Take your ass before you kick your ass. The Irish, as an Irishman, there's nothing we enjoy more than a good fight. Oh yeah, but, nice. But little... we always have a drink afterwards together. Oh yeah, it's nothing. You don't have to be. Mad that one of the one of the strange people like mad. You don't. I don't get mad that much. I'm playing hockey when I was in college, <laughs> and we played against Rochester Institute of Technology a game. And I'm in front of the net. I was playing defense at the time, you know. And I'm giving a guy, you know, and pushing him out of the way a little bit and all that kind of stuff. And of course, I know that you give it you, when you give a guy a two hander. You give it between the glove and the elbow pad because that's where it hurts. Oh yeah. And well, he took offense. <laughs> oh yeah. I was not mad. <laughs> he drops his gloves. Can you believe that? And he drops his gloves, and what does he do? I've never seen anybody so stupid. He grabs me around the waist, and I'm standing there, and I'm not mad. And I'm thinking, shut okay, up. Okay, okay. What the heck? Your head's exposed. Boom, 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 boom. Well, I started banging a lot of them. Both benches emptied, and pretty soon. I'm on the bottom of about 13 people. Oh, there he is. It was a wild, it was a wild time. And I'm thinking all the whole time, I said, I never, you know, what's he doing this for? I don't need to, I'm not mad at him. And he grabs me around the waist. He's just, like, what, is he giving you a hug? Or what? <laughs> I don't hey, know what he was doing. Shall well, we dance? <laughs> he, he was inviting his head to get hit. That's what he was doing. Clearly, oh, absolutely. So after the game, he hit a shot of whiskey. He was all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I was getting to is that Besides the hockey players, you guys make it for the people. Yeah. Like, no, I'm dead serious. No, like, I, and I, I appreciate and, that because yeah. I, because I think that's why. I mean, mo everybody up there is part time. You know. Oh yeah. 
you know, it's a part-time job. And for some people, they're working real jobs the rest of the time. So they, don't, they might be tired. I'm not. Because I come in pretty well refreshed. Because I take a nap before I get oh, there. Man, no, yeah. not necessarily. But, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't have a full-time job. But anyways, I think it, everybody, you know, the energy at those games, there's nothing like it. No, there isn't. But they see your guys' yeah. faces first. And yeah. if they see you guys elated well, and just ready to go and just stoked to see that person... That can make all the difference well, in the whole entire I'm, atmosphere. As it's well. nice. It's nice to hear that because no, you know, as you know, I mean, I do. I do love it. I love the game. I love being part of it. I love being at the ball center. <laughs> the center of balls. Are you hearing that, Stan? <laughs> Come on, this Stan. Is, this is Mike Sully Sullivan, third floor. Uh, you may want to. Take a second. I don't know. Maybe hire me as a consultant. I'm just asking. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> you're a PR guy. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Mike, you know, honestly, yeah. But you're no, seriously. <laughs> Sully, you guys, like, as I said, for all of the just gate people and just personnel that I've dealt with, you guys make, just make the game before we even get into there. And that, my hat's off to you guys because you guys have the most positive attitude. And I mean, you leave that to other stuff to guys on the ice, and okay. they have their persona. Yeah, absolutely. And they have, yeah, but no. Boy, boy, and don't we have a great persona right oh. now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Is this hockey team, I mean, the Avalanche, to yes. me, I mean, they're, uh, I just can't wait. I mean, just, yeah. just they got love the juice. They got the juice. You know? They yeah, got the they, juice. I mean, and there's so many of them that they do stuff, and then this McKinnon kid. He might be pretty good. I'm thinking he's got a future. Uh, yeah, you know. No, you I'm not might. an expert. <laughs> Again, no, me and me and no. Cody have a little, uh, you know, thing we have to talk about. If you're a defenseman and you see McKinnon come up the ice, only thoughts in your head is, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh, and he's uh, gone, he's and gone. Gone. he he scored. Or you just see him coming, and you're like, I'm fucked. <laughs> That's exactly. What oh my God! Here he is. It's Damn an it. odd kind of a thing about this game. You all know because you've played and all that kind of stuff. But there's yep. times when if you can get it in your head somehow that you can beat this guy or that guy, you got a much better chance of it. You know, I was playing against this guy one time when I was. In, you know, this time I'm probably 40 years old or something. I'm playing in the league with kids and everybody else. And this kid, this guy comes. And he apparently had played in college and all that kind of stuff, and he's just tearing this league up. You know, he scores. He scores anytime he wants, four or five goals, something like that. And I'm playing defense. I get out on the ice against him, and he comes down and he makes like six moves, right? And I was still stuck on the second move, <laughs> and the seventh move turned out to be the second move all over again. And I take the puck away from him because I was still there. Oh yeah! <laughs> and I said to myself, "I'm going back to the bench." I says, "I got, I own this guy. This is, it's, he's you mine. Know, come on, he's mine." And uh, that whole game, I was on top of the world because I shut him down pretty much the time yeah. I was out there. You learned his first five, like five, yeah. six moves before. He I was just, he just. He just overdid it and caught back up with me. I mean, he caught me up with him, and it was just crazy because I was really, you know, beating the hell. But the next thing you know, you got this guy's number. Of course, it only lasted for a game. Hey, 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 you still had that game. I had that game. (laughs) 
This is 50 years later, and I'm still talking about it. <laughs> well, damn, Sully, that is awesome, man. Thank you so much for talking yeah, about this. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Um, if, uh, this is the point where we normally like to send some shout-outs, so if you want to send some love out into the air, uh, what you got, man? Well, of course, everybody in Dog Nation. You know, always. Except I don't know about Marty. What do you What do you think about Marty? Ah, you know, he's like, he, I, I, he's got that. He's uh, got that. Thing. Yeah, you, know, you got to overlook. You got to yeah, overlook yeah, some of that stuff. But anyways, he's got that swagger. Marty, okay. Mike, and uh, I'm a special shout out to a really good friend of mine, uh, Sean, and Sean Leonard. Uh, I'm thinking about you, Shawnee. So you know, keep it going. And uh, of course, I should say something about Nancy because. You know, I've been married for fifty-six years. Yeah, she might she might have a problem with that with that uh, she, shout I, out. I have a sister who was ten years older than I am, who's still going like a house of fire. I mean, she's she's tough. She's real tough. Oh man, she's not. I mean, she's and she is she has been the matriarch, raised seven children. Okay, seven children. All of them turned out well. They stay together. They're all over the country and all that kind of stuff. They get together. They make sure they get together. K7, they call them, because her name is Cole. K7. Anyways, she's done a remarkable job. I always tell people, and this is case, Nancy, if you're listening. Well, you will be, because I'm going to make you. But anyway. <laughs> it's what I tell everybody. I says, there's two people who might be made saints even before they die. And that's my sister and my wife. Oh, heck yeah, yeah man. You know, so... It's an amazing thing to say about course, the people you love. And, of course, my daughters and Ralphie. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross, what, what do you got for sh- shout-outs? Well, just, you know, solely for being here. It's great to hear all these stories. And, I mean, just the It's fans. only part one. Oh, God. How oh, many yeah. parts are we going to have? Well, this could be a saga. I was going... <laughs> I was going through it, and I I had come up with seven. All right, you oh. know what? You got your seven. That's the Skywalker. <laughs> that's a, that's the Skywalker saga right there. there you go. <laughs> we call no. it the Sully hey, Wars or yeah, something. Yeah, I, like I I really appreciate you know you guys having an old fart out here that and giving me something to do and show me a little love. I appreciate it so much. Oh, no problem at all. But uh, just all of my friends and family that listen to this and just the fans too um we could do this without you guys and your support um yeah and thank you bryce for me i got a few I got my friends my family uh the Colorado avalanche my beer nation um i have you know just everyone obviously these next four years are pretty important so if you have not yet go out and vote get that stuff done the polls will not close if you are in line um, and other than that, um, uh, just a good shout out to all our listeners right now. Yeah, well, uh, biggest shout out. Thank you, Soli, so, so much for coming out and talking with us, man. We had a blast. I think uh, that was this was great. So thank you, and uh, thank you to all the listeners, My Beer Nation and Dog Nation, Hockey Foundation, and yeah, thank you to all the listeners. So without uh, without any more words, uh, V Horsh. Obviously. Salute. Aloha. <laughs> Beauty. <laughs>
just try the damn thing, see what happens. 